I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I'm so happy that you're here. I want to invite you. Why don't you grab your Bible and just join with me today in God's Word. We're going to be in one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, which is Romans chapter 14, and we're going to look at two verses. They're back-to-back, and they are very remarkable. These scriptures are uh, quite potent, and we need to examine them. And when you bring these statements of God's Word into your heart and work them, you're going to find out it's going to make you very, very happy. Uh, this is really something that's going to put a smile on your face straight from God's Word. And before we jump into it, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit, who is the illuminator of your Word, that He will come right now in the very midst of our hearts and pour forth the anointing so that the eyes of our understanding are illuminated so we can see your Word, take it, and apply it to our lives today, and be happy, and experience all that you have intended for us to walk in. Now, Father, we thank you. We believe it. In Jesus' name we pray. Around the world, let's agree and say amen. Now, Romans chapter 14, Paul's letter to the church, uh, to the Christians there in Rome, verse 22, do you have faith? Now, this faith really is, when you look at the context of the whole chapter, this is a faith that is referring to the way that you conduct and live your life as an individual. When you wake up in the morning, you may choose to wear blue jeans, but somebody else is going to put on dress slacks. And you may choose to drive a blue vehicle to work, and somebody else may choose to take a skateboard. And you may choose, when you come home, to have lasagna for dinner, and somebody else may choose ramen noodles. There is this element of your personal faith, your personal walk with the Lord, that is something that, a, that God allows you to have great freedom in, and you have to understand it. Now, in context with Romans chapter 14, a lot of it deals with the issue of food and certain things that were affecting young believers in the church that mature believers understood. So Paul was saying, now walk in love, even if you have the maturity and the faith to understand that what you're doing is fine, keep that to, your, uh, to yourself within your own heart, because young believers, uh, they may not understand all of this, but in your own personal life, when you walk these things out without you know, uh, the eyes of a young person looking at you, if you have freedom to do this in the Lord, and it's scriptural, it's clean, it's pure, why certainly you can enjoy it. Because you had these, I would, you could call them like schisms in the church. Uh, you had vegetarians basically saying that those that were eating meat, they're committing sin. Do you know we have a lot of that today <laughs> because of the culture uh, permeating into the church? Even today, you have some people saying that if you eat meat, it's a sin. And, you know, they'll save a little bitty uh, fish, or they'll go out of their way to make these extreme efforts to maybe save an endangered animal or a sweet little animal. And, and after all, I think that's nice. But at the same time, when it comes to the regard for human life or uh, the life of the unborn, they have no compassion. So it's really, uh, you see that, of course, in the world, but in the church, it's amazing. Sometimes, uh, for example, when a person comes into the church like what Paul was dealing with with the church in Corinth, the believers that, that were coming in that had been converted and turned from sin and were washed with the blood of Christ, yet they still had all these mindsets and they still had all of these old ideologies and ways of thinkings or mentalities. And so they had all kinds of crazy things to work through, a lot of carnality that was to be expected. And so, you know, you can have, you can have people uh, that are genuinely saved and born again, but uh, they may have some very unusual ways of thinking. But for those of you that are strong in the Word, walk close to the Lord, you're going to have uh, some different experiences with the Lord that bring a deeper level of happiness that comes from walking very close to Him. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. You also had this thing of those with a weak conscience 
who were new Christians who, if they saw you eating food that previously was being sold in the market, but maybe had been prayed over or, you know, uh, had been blessed by a pagan priest or something like that, they thought, oh, you can't eat that. If you eat that, you're defiled. And, And on and on it went. And you even had a lot of Christians in the first century that were getting saved, but they actually thought it was wrong. Some of them actually, when they became born again, thought it was wrong to use money, coinage, that had an emblem of Caesar on it. And they thought, oh no, that's wrong. We, we can't use this money because Caesar's image is on it, or an image of some type of Greek deity, because the Romans loved the Greek culture, so they brought a lot of that paganism and all of that, uh, you know, the the, the plethora of multiple gods. And so they would put these images on the coins. And you had some Christians that said, we're not using money because that's evil. It's got, it's got a symbol of Zeus or something on the coin. <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah, you know, but if you had faith and you knew, Hey, it's just, it's just a piece of currency that we're using for transaction. Uh, you could put Mickey Mouse on there. If you want to, you could put a lizard on there. It's, it's, this is, you know, you're getting hung up on miners here. And so if you knew that, well, yeah, you can exchange in business and engage in business. But for the others that were very weak in the faith, they were, they were getting tripped up on a lot of different things. Um, verse 22, again, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. That's that personal freedom, that personal way of conducting your own individual life. Happy is he who, now watch this, because this is going to bring happiness into your life. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Woo, glory to God. I want to read this to you from the Weymouth translation. And Mr. Weymouth, uh, he was a a Greek expert. Actually, he was an expert in many multiple languages, uh, but he also did a a translation of the New Testament uh, from Greek into English. And he translates this verse as saying, as for you and your faith, keep your faith to yourself in the presence of God. The man is to be congratulated who does not pronounce judgment on himself and what his actions sanction. Wow, praise God. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Now, this is interesting. I want to dig into this a little bit further. Here's a good example. Let's talk about this one. Uh, This one uh, can go in different directions. Maybe you could split the camp right down on the middle with this one. Uh, Just for a moment, I want to give you an example of your own personal faith, your own personal walk with God, and the journey that can lead you on, and it could lead somebody else who also loves the Lord, serves the same God, but leads that person in a different direction. Now, 1 Kings chapter 18, let's see a really good example of this. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send, I will send rain on the earth. So Ahab is the wicked king of Israel, who has a very infamous wife that I'm sure you know the name of. Her name would be Jezebel. And she's not a nice person, <laughs> but she's the queen, <laughs> and, it, and it is what it is. Now, verse 2. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. That's because through the word of the Lord, Elijah had locked up the heavens. When I say the heavens, I'm talking about the upper atmosphere, and it had not rained for three and a half years, and thus that would produce not just a famine, but a severe famine. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now it says, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Mm -mm. And you have to remember that Obadiah is the right-hand man of wicked Israeli king Ahab. Wow. Oh yes, this is Ahab who murdered a man because he wanted his garden. He wanted his vineyard. This is Ahab who married Jezebel, who killed many of the true prophets of the Lord and brought in her own version of religion. Remember, she was the daughter of a Phoenician king, and so she was, she was used to Baal worship. So when she moved to Israel to be the wife of Ahab, she brought her religious background and her Baal worship mindset 
and begin to implement these priests of Baal. So it, it was just a whole lot of sin going on. And yet here is a man, it says, who feared the Lord greatly, and he is in that royal palace. He is not only close to the king, he's the king's right-hand man. It says he was in charge of his house. That, that is the person that the king would give the most trusted assignments to. So Obadiah is around all of this. That means he's probably crossing paths with Jezebel on a pretty regular basis, maybe even daily, because he's there in the royal palace. He's in the king's court, and he's the king's go-to man. And he has not fled the scene. He has not uh, said, you know, this job is just too much of a compromise. I'm getting out of here. So this is very interesting. Now, and Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken one hundred prophets, and hidden them fifty to a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. And Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go into the land, to all the springs of water, and to all the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive, so that we will not have to kill any livestock. So while Obadiah is on a scouting mission, trying to find some, you know, uh, springs of water, he runs into Elijah, the prophet, the mighty prophet of God. Now, verse 10, Obadiah says to, to the prophet, he says, As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he is not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, go tell your master, Elijah is here, and it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from you, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. Well, obviously Elijah had a reputation for being moved by the Spirit, not just spiritually, but physically, in what we would call literal translation or a full translation, where you're not just translated in the Spirit, where your spirit goes somewhere, but your body is completely taken uh, by the Holy Spirit. And so he said, uh, so when I go and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Now, Obadiah wants Elijah to know hey, I'm not some kind of a sellout. I'm not a traitor. It's just that God's got me here, and God's got you there. Now, it is true that Elijah said, I'm the only prophet left of the Lord. <laughs> so I don't think Elijah would agree with Obadiah serving Ahab. He would probably say, you've compromised. And, and by the way, I'm not here today to say this is compromise, that's compromise. Paul the Apostle said, work a good job with your hands. I'm not trying to give you a ticket that says, go work anything you want to do, and it doesn't matter if it's corrupt or wrong. No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that there are some paths that you can walk on that others can't. Why? You have faith for it. You somehow have faith, and that comes from God, that faith from God to know that you can stand in there, not flake out, not melt down, not sell out uh, your trust and faith in God. Now, others may not be able to do that, but you can, and Obadiah could, and he knew he could, and he also knew that his position allowed him to have the top intelligence of what the king was going to do through his army, through his pursuits, through his activities, and he knew that he could send a secret person to get that information to the prophets. Make sure you're hidden. Don't come out of the caves, you know, whatever the case might be. And he's feeding them with food and water, and he's putting his life on the line. So he's not, he's not a traitor by any means. You know, we had the German theologian Diedrich Bonhoeffer and he was a man that said, going into World War II, he was saying, Hitler is extremely dangerous. This man is a very, very dangerous man. And, you know, he and others that were not compromising within the church, they saw what was going on. They saw the takeover, and they knew it was not going to end well. But what a lot of um, writers or historians don't mention about Bonhoeffer is that he never got out of the military. He stayed in 
the German military. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's treasonous. If he really knew that Hitler was dangerous, he would have gotten out and he would have been in the resistance. Well, he was in the resistance, but in a different way. He was in the resistance on the inside where they were endeavoring to undermine the the you know the things that would the instructions or orders that would be given to them pretend it was carried out but it's not carried out and then tried to do things of subterfuge and stuff like that and eventually you know Bonhoeffer was executed for um, uh, you know taking the stand that he took and you know you just have to you have to you have to go the route that God has you go and I don't think like I mentioned earlier that Elijah probably would have approved of what Obadiah had done. How can you stand next to that murderer? How can you be in the same house with Jezebel? I don't see how you can, I don't even see how God would accept you. Well, I'm not sure if Elijah would have been that rough on him, but Elijah did say, I'm the only prophet left. (laughs) Maybe he thought the other 100 prophets were cowards for hiding in a cave. I don't know. But it does appear that Obadiah was a very, very godly man. And he says to Elijah, but I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Hmm. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave, and fed them with bread and water? Well, maybe some of that just hit Elijah and ran off of him like water off of a duck's back. In other words, maybe he he thought, well, hey, look, I'm just here to give the word to you that I'm, ne- I'm ready to come before the king now. But Obadiah is like, hey, you know, you've done your part, and you, nobody can do what you're doing the way you're doing what you're doing. You're the best at what you do. But Obadiah, without compromising, was doing his part in a different position, in a different way. And as long as it doesn't cause you to compromise your faith or demand that you do something not only illegal, but also from God's word, something that would be a violation of biblical principles and biblical values and morals, then your faith can take you into some very interesting places. Think about Daniel, because Daniel was serving in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. And you could only imagine what was going on in a uh, total pagan atmosphere like that, where you have this super wealthy king with all of this wealth and all of the riches and everything that was around that environment. And he served multiple kings. He served the king's son, and he went through a long prophetic ministry. But he was right there in the thick of it. He was around all of the, uh, what we would call the high and mighty, so to speak, And you know what? Somebody might say, oh, that's compromise. How dare he do that? But you just have to follow the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Again, Romans chapter 14, verse 22. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. There might be some others who may not understand it. Maybe even Elijah wouldn't understand it. Maybe he would write an article in one of his blogs and criticize it and say, that's selling out, that's compromise. Uh, and maybe from his, from his calling, he could, that's, that's how he sees it. Cause there is, there can be some tunnel vision at times that that's okay. You don't have to play every role. You just have to play your role. Praise God. But you know what? Your faith can sometimes take you, uh, down a different route than maybe even what your best friend would understand and you have to walk with the Lord. Now, of course, again, we're not talking about compromise. We're not talking about selling out because that certainly is a lot of that going on out there. There's a lot of people that would do anything to save their skin. That's not what we're talking about though. But we're talking about you living your life the way the Holy Spirit is directing you to go in the direction that is uniquely for you. Do you have faith? have it to yourself before God. You have to understand that not everybody has faith like you. They don't, they don't understand why you're doing what you're, you're doing. They don't operate on what we would call a faith frequency. Maybe all they can operate on is the frequency of logic or rationale, which can lead uh, to a very boring life if that's all that, uh, if that's the only dimension that you walk in. So when you begin to walk with the Lord, you can get into um, some very, uh, uh, expanded places, praise God. And you can go some places that others can't go. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. 
the man is to be congratulated who does not pronounce judgment on himself and what his actions sanction. I, I did belong to a church one time. Uh, I, I should say uh, there's only one church, but this was a denomination, you know, one church, but many denominations, so to speak. And this denomination taught that it was, it was a sin for women to wear pants. They really did. They, they, they had uh, rules and regulations that uh, if you were a lady, you were not allowed to wear pants in the church. And no women did. They, they would ask you to leave. Well, uh, that's something that if you're able to see past, you know, man-made laws, you could realize, well, okay, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep people from, particularly in this scenario, women from wearing clothing too tight that would cause men to be tempted. I, I could see what they're trying to do, but it had turned into really more of a form of bondage. So they were, uh, they were only allowed to wear skirts. So now the women were wearing the skirts so tight, not all of them, of course, the, the ones that were godly, they're going to, they're not trying to push limits, but the ones that were, you know, carnal or whatever, now they're going to wear their skirt just as tight as they can because they can't wear their pants. And so now, now it creates another problem. But for the person who's free, and realizes, is God really into food? That's what Paul is trying to say. This is not about food. It's about righteousness and peace and joy. It's not about pants or skirts or, or all this kind of crazy stuff. Um, and so when you walk with the Lord, you begin to get a good understanding of that. And, but at the same time, you're not going to abuse your freedom. Well, Pastor Stephen, if what that, what's that, what that means, I'm going to walk into church with just a little t-shirt, with a little muscle shirt on. You know, well, okay, that's just getting back in the flesh. We don't want to do that. We want to walk in the Spirit. But in the Spirit, you're going to have more freedom than you ever thought. And it, it, what will it do? It'll make you happy. It will make you happy. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Pastor Stephen, don't eat pork. Pork is of the devil. Personally, I, I don't eat pork. Um, I tried to stay away from the foods that God told Moses, don't eat. Don't eat them in the sense because there's a lot of symbolism attached to the various animals for various reasons. And I can see biblical typology related in that. But I also understand that many of the things, or actually all of the things that God said don't eat, there was also a scientific reason for that because many of them are the bottom dwellers. You know, don't eat the shellfish. Don't eat the thing, the creepy crawly, so to speak. <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, they taste good. Well, they taste good, but they're loaded with toxins. Why? They're at the bottom of the food chain, and they're the ones gobbling up all the goop, all the yucky stuff. And so that's that's in them. And if you eat that, if they're you know absorbing all this mercury and lead and all this other stuff, where you're going to get that into your system. But but I you know I I had a minister one time tell me that it was a sin to eat shrimp because you know that's that's biblically not kosher, and he said it's a sin. I said, so you're telling me if I eat shrimp, it's, it's sinful. I said, I, I understand under the Old Testament, the rules and the regulations under the Old Covenant. But in the New Testament, um, I'm saved not by um, so much what I do, although I want to do the right thing. I'm saved by faith in Christ through His shed blood. And it's not about uh, the seafood diet, so to speak. Again, uh, I'm aware of healthy food and what's kosher and what's not. And I tried to eat healthy because I'd like to live long on the earth. But I also know that I read the interview of a, uh, where was he from? I think he was from Japan and he passed away maybe 10 years ago. But at that time he was the oldest living man in the world, like 118 years old or something like that. He was way up there. And they said, what is your secret for longevity? And he didn't bat an eyelash. He didn't waste a second. He told them exactly what he believed his secret of longevity was. Pastor Stephen, what was it? He said, white rice and good pork. Mm, now, can you believe that? Here's a guy eating pork on a regular basis, loves pork, eating pork all of his life, and he lives to be 118 years old. And I've seen health fanatics exercising all the time eating, uh, you know, super strict diets and eating, you know, uh, uh, watching everything they eat. And then, you know, by the time of 70 or 72, they're done, they're gone. <laughs> so, so I think there's more to it than the food thing. And I'm sure many of you understand that. The bottom line though, is it's going to come down to your faith. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. 
And that really also the context of the chapter would even have to do with food. Praise God. Now, that doesn't mean you go wild and say, I'm going to live off, you know, sodas, Coca-Cola, and, you know, you know, Twinkies and stuff like that. Because again, you're, you're making a mistake. And some people with their freedom, they get into trouble thinking, I'm free, I'm free. Well, you're not free to be crazy or stupid. You know, you're, you're free to walk in wisdom and you're free to use your faith in the fullness of all that God has made available to you. Praise God. Mm-mm. Verse 23, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. Now, see, I would not have taken that minister and said, look, I understand what you're saying about shrimp. It's not kosher. It's a bottom dweller. And these are the, this is one of the creatures that crawls along at the bottom of the sea, along with the lobsters, and eats up all the stuff that has died and has sunk to the bottom. That's what it is, right? You know, then you have catfish and all that other stuff. So, so I said, I understand what you're saying. I, I knew that God said, don't eat it because th- there's a sense it's not good for you from the aspect of uh, that's a creepy crawly thing. And there's also a lot of symbolism, because even Paul, referring to what God said about oxen, Paul's like, come on, is God really concerned about oxen? Can't you see that he meant that for the ministers? You know, don't, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. Is God really that concerned with all these food laws and all of these uh, other rules and regulations? There, there has a lot of spiritual meaning to that. And Paul brought a ton of that out through his writings to the church, the various epistles, even the thing with the ox. No, the ox is a symbolism of the, particularly the apostolic ministry that when the man of God is working or the apostolic person is working, don't, don't muzzle them. You know, no, look, if they're ministering to you spiritually, minister to them naturally, be a blessing to them. So you see so much of that uh, through the light of the New Testament, because the New Testament is unveiling or revealing the fullness of everything that was in the old old covenant. So much of the old covenant was concealed, and you can't understand it until you get the light of what Christ has done for us. Praise God. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. So I wouldn't have said to that minister, look, I know that shrimp is okay. It's not good for you, but it's okay. Come eat a, come eat a plate with shrimp with me. Look, I'm going to go out and buy us right now two shrimp cocktails, a shrimp uh, dish for you and for me, and we could dip it in the red cocktail sauce, and we can both rejoice together. He, he never would have gone for that. First of all, he was Jewish, and he had a lot of that um, Judaism in his background, so he wasn't going to eat shrimp. Uh, no matter how free it was, so to speak, or in the sense that you're free in Christ, you know, he wasn't going to do that. I could tell him stories of people living the 400. I don't know any stories like that, but I could, if I found some, hey, so-and-so ate shrimp, lived to be 400, he wasn't, he's still not going to eat it. So, and, and that's okay. That's okay. But for those who have faith, those who have faith, you can, uh, you can enjoy yourself, praise the Lord. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. So you're going to have to have faith. Faith is based upon not just a belief. It's not a belief in like uh, just, you know, like some kind of ethereal belief in something. No, it's a, it, faith is belief in God's Word and what God said. So it says, because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Now, to open this up a little bit, I want to show you a scripture that to me, has always meant a lot to me uh, in regards to this. And you can see it in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Wow, praise God. I'm still thinking about Obadiah and Elijah. Two different routes, two different paths, both men greatly fearing God, greatly loving God, but yeah, they're in very different places in life. So you have to walk your journey out in faith. Praise the Lord. Now, oh, one more example. I, um, I knew an old minister. He's in heaven now. I'll go ahead and tell you his name, uh, Dr. Wade Taylor. And I was in a meeting one time with Wade Taylor, and there, were, uh, there was a drum set up, and there were uh, you know, all kinds of musicians, and we're in a, uh, a meeting, so the praise and worship was real loud, and for whatever reason, the drummer was just having a really good time, and Wade said to me, he said, Stephen, he said, he said, you could not have pulled John Follett into this meeting with bulldozers. 
You couldn't have gotten him into this meeting with those drums up there. You couldn't have gotten him into a meeting like this to have saved his life. Now, John Follett was uh, one of Wade's mentors, and John Follett passed his mantle on to uh, Wade Taylor. But John Follett was a mystic saint, and he was like a hermit. He never married. He was a Bible teacher, and he just prayed all the time, and uh, everything was real uh, how can I say, almost like tunnel vision from the perspective of he's a holy man, would hardly go ever outside. Wade told me that he, that John Follett did not even know how to use a screwdriver. <laughs> so do you see what I'm saying? He's in a very, he's in his lane. Now in his lane, oh, he's really good. Uh, and his writings are still circulating today, although he's been gone a long time. Yet his writings and his books are still, you know, floating around out there. You can download them on the internet or some of his teachings, and it's deep stuff, and it's really good stuff. But Wade said, he said, Stephen, you couldn't have pulled John Follett into this meeting for anything. Those drums, he would have thought, oh, no, God will never move in a meeting like this. Well, actually, God did move in that meeting. We had a good service. <laughs> this, you know, the drums were a little, little loud for me. It didn't, didn't really bother, bother me because, you know, everybody's having fun. We're having a good time. So, um and, uh, you know, uh, the, by the way, the Holy Spirit is not as fragile as you think. Yes, yes, you can do things that can hinder the anointing. You can do things that would even break the anointing, and, and then the Holy Spirit would lift. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's not like he's real fragile. You know, he's just going to leave if not everything's perfect. Because I've, I've had to push through uh, baby screaming and kids acting up and uh, all kinds of weird commotions over on the side and uh, outside noises and all kinds of weird things going on. And, but I would just keep pushing and pushing, and the Holy Spirit's right there, and good ministry is taking place. So, you know, you just learn these things. So whether you're Obadiah, standing at the right hand of a crazy Ahab, or whether you're Elijah calling fire down from heaven, uh, you, you just have to, you have to be in your element. Or whether you're uh, John Follett, who's just going to be so devoted to prayer, he's praying about 10 hours a day, and uh, he's having deep experiences with God, but yet he, he you couldn't get him into a modern church. Uh, it just, so, you know, you have to have faith for uh, yourself and be happy. Be happy that if you know some things that others don't, just, you know, don't be boastful about it. Just keep it to yourself and say, praise God. I'm glad God likes drums. Now, you might not be able to tell that to somebody else, although I'm sure John Follett has figured that out now in heaven. But you know what? You can be happy knowing that you know, and you're free. Praise God. You can go maybe after this service today and listen to some good praise music with some real strong drums. Yes, Pastor Stephen, I'm free. <laughs> yes, you are. Praise the Lord. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. By faith, they, that would be the Israelites led by Moses, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Isn't that amazing? Uh, one of the epic miracles of all times recorded in Scripture and highlighted here in the Hall of Faith, uh, Hall of Fame of Hebrews chapter 11. And it's a beautiful thing. It, it was miraculous, and it was something that as they did it, they had a corporate faith or collective faith through the entire uh, body of God's of believers, God's people going through it. A whole lot of symbolism there that they didn't understand what was happening. But now we understand, looking back upon it, that that was a baptism. It was representing baptism going down into a watery grave, coming up on the other side into newness of life, leaving Egypt, uh, the the sinful world, the 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 world of sin and sin nature, and ruled by Pharaoh, a type of Satan, and going down into the watery grave, coming up and on the other side into newness of life, or what we would know as life in Christ, the salvation experience. So that whole Red Sea crossing was a type and shadow of water baptism. By faith they passed through. So it was a faith journey, faith experience. They passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Whereas, get ready for the next part, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so, attempting, attempting. They tried it. Well, they did it. Let's try it. It'll work for us too. Uh, it doesn't work like that. Not in, not in the kingdom of God. Whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Why? Why did they, why did they drown? How come the, the, how come the Israelites did it uh, and it worked for them? And the Egyptians, they, they tried it 
and they were going through the motions, and they drowned. No faith. That's why. Remember, chapter 11 is all about those who had faith and believed God, and because of their active faith, they received miracles, they received deliverance, and many other things. But the Egyptians, they didn't have faith. And because of unbelief, it didn't work for them. And they all drowned. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, let me say this. This will help some of you. This is very, very important. Any attempt to do something, whether it's something big or, you know, something that, that's important, something that means something to you, any attempt without faith is sinful and can even be dangerous. Anytime there's sin, there's danger involved. Pastor Stephen, why are you saying that? Because of verse 23 of Romans. Let's go back. Romans chapter 14, verse 23. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. Don't try to pull somebody up to your level of faith if they're not there yet, and just say, come on with me. It'll work. It'll work for you. But if they can't join their faith with you, or if it's too much of a gap, don't try to pull them into something they're not ready for. They'll, uh, it's not going to work for them. I know that you want it to work for them. I know that you see it, you get it, you understand it. I know it's a revelation for you, but if it's not for them, it's not going to work. So don't try to bring them in on something that they're not in faith to do. Mm, praise the Lord. That can be just as simple as wanting to pray for somebody for their healing, but they just don't believe God's going to do it. Well, why waste your time? And why go through all of that when nothing's going to happen? What you have to do is you have to meet them at a, at a place where their faith is comfortable and just say, hey, look, if you don't really believe that God can heal you, you know, through the prayer of faith, which of course is all in scripture, but you know that that's good. Maybe they don't know that. Just ask them what, where, you know, where can we meet at? Let's find a place of mutual faith that we can both come into agreement on. And then I'll pray for you. And then we can finally be in faith. And then God will move at your level of faith. Well, maybe for them, maybe they can't really believe for a miracle, but they can believe that God will work through the doctors. Oh, good. Okay, well, let's pray that. Let's pray that God will really anoint the doctors, uh, whether they're saved or not, doesn't matter. Let's pray that God will anoint them, and He will work through them and give them wisdom, and they'll just do a great job on you, and you'll come through the surgery uh, fine and smooth. Okay, Pastor Stephen, I can agree with you in that. My faith is there for that. Okay, good. Well, let's pray for that. So don't try to take them somewhere if their faith is not there, because they, they, you can't go there. No more than the Egyptians can go through the Red Sea. They just flat out didn't believe. And if there's no faith, it's not going to work. And I'll tell you something else. If there's no faith and you do it, it's a sin. Mm -mm. For whatever, now this is verse 23, part B, for whatever is not from faith is sin. And that word, whatever, is very inclusive. It covers a lot of stuff. For whatever is not from faith is sin. You know what? If somebody would have told that Egyptian army, look, I know that you're going to go chasing after them, and you're going to run down to that Red Sea, and you think you're going to catch the Egypt, excuse me, the Israelites, you're going to slaughter them all. But what you're about to do is sin. Oh, they probably would have laughed and said, get out of the way and would have cut you with their sword. But you know, it was sin. It was sinful for the Egyptians to do that. Why? They didn't have any faith. So it's sinful for anybody to do something, even uh, especially the believer, to do something if you don't have faith for it. I've done a lot of things and it worked for me because I had faith. I would never recommend uh, a believer do some of the things that I've done on my trips, on my journeys. Uh, because when I did it, I did it in faith. And because I did it in faith and the Lord was with me, it worked for me. But if somebody would have been in there with me with unbelief, oh, 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 Pastor Steve, we're going to do, I'd be like, you just need to stay here. Don't, you don't need to go any further. I'm going to get you a ticket back and I'll send, I'll send you back because this is, this is too much for you. <laughs> Praise God. Um, because some things are on the fly. You have to adjust on the fly and things that they don't always go according to plan. So there are things sometimes when you know you've got to be there, then you're going to, um, you know, you're not going to do anything illegal, and you're not going to do anything uh, wrong, but you're going to do what you need to do to get it accomplished. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. And that, that when you have faith for it, makes you happy. 
praise to the Lord. It makes you happy to know that God's with you. And when you have faith like that, you can go into places and do things that uh, others could just say, well, I wish I could do that. Well, you bump your faith up there and you can. I do think that for many believers, they put too much responsibility on God and they don't take their own responsibility to use their own faith. And that's why so many times in Scripture, especially like Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, and over and over and over again in his teachings, Jesus would say, according to your faith, be it done unto you. He said to the blind man, according to your faith. Uh, Jesus didn't say, not my faith. He said, your faith, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Mm-mm. So he'll, he'll meet you wherever your faith level is at. That's where he's going to meet you at. It's very important. For whatever is not from faith is sin. You can go a lot of places and do a lot of things in life in the Lord if you go in faith. If you, don't go in, if you do not go in faith, I would say don't go at all. Because if you're going and it's not in faith, first of all, it's sin. And second of all, because there's no faith involved, this could end really bad. It ended really bad for the Egyptian army going rushing into the Red Sea. And it told you why it went bad for them. They didn't have any faith. Well, we know it's a setup from God so that the enemies of Israel would be cut off. But uh, there, there was a reason why it didn't work for them. There's always a reason why something doesn't work. But my friends, when you walk in faith, and I'm not talking about tempting God or trying to, you know, corner God to get God to do something for you, but I'm just talking about walking in pure faith where you're believing God, and this is the next step that's needed. Well, if that's the next step and that's what you have to do, then you're going to need to do it in faith. Don't do it in unbelief and fear. Do it in faith. Praise God. Now, you may have feelings of fear. You may have the sensation of fear. But do it in faith, even if those feelings would be out there. Praise God. Sometimes you just have to push through and keep on going. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you can sense you can sense the, the element of, of fear, but that, don't let it come into you. See, it's like the fish swimming around out there in the ocean. He's swimming in salt water, but that salt doesn't get into him. So you're out there in that uh, world of difficulties and challenges and very negative circumstances, but you're just swimming all around. That stuff doesn't have to get into you. You're in it, but you're not of it, and it's not getting on the inside of you either. So you can be Obadiah in the crazy court of Ahab. As long as you don't let that stuff get into you, you can navigate through that. Is that for everybody? Uh, Definitely not. I believe he had a calling for that. And I'm sure he was a very polished man, a very smart man, good with numbers, good with money, good with relationships, international relationships, and able to conduct himself very well. Uh, So that was the path that God had for him. Elijah, very different. This is a guy running around, uh, you know, with these hairy garments, and he's rough, he's rugged, you know, able to lay down uh, next to a stream uh, bed and just, you know, drink creek water and eat food flown in by some ravens. He he was rough. So everybody's got their, their area of specialty. But whatever it is, that 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 walk can be a faith walk and don't don't let it throw you if others don't understand how you do what you do or why it works for you but yet maybe they can't come and emulate it well it's because God has given you faith in that area and you need to realize that and keep moving forward in it praise the Lord glory to God and since you do have to move forward because if you're stagnant I really believe stagnation is the same as going backwards. You have to have that forward motion. And since you need to be doing that, you're going to have to do it in faith. So it's very important to keep your faith built up. And I'm talking about the promises of God. You're meditating on them. You're praying over them. And you'll find that you can do some things that others can't do. They could do it too if they'll get their faith built up. But I I would also encourage you, don't wait on others because they may never 
take it seriously like you do. So you have to keep on going and be an inspiration to them. And maybe, maybe the light will turn on for them and then they'll see, hey, he's really working God's word. It's working for him. I think I'll do the same thing. But it's very important that you keep going forward. Do you have faith? I know you do. Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. This chapter of Romans 14 also it speaks a lot about tolerance in love. Not tolerating sin. We're not talking about sin. But we're talking about just these differences that we all have in calling, in anointing, in assignment, in what we do, and where we go, and uh, uh, the impact we make, and on and on it goes. So recognize your specialty. Rejoice in that. And then don't criticize, perhaps, if you're an Elijah, don't criticize Obadiah just because he's not like you. Because he could be doing what God wants him to do. And he was a very godly man. Praise the Lord. I've heard many theologians say he's the one that ended up writing the book of Obadiah. This is, he ends up being Obadiah the prophet. Very, very interesting. You never know what might become of some people. I've seen some people that, you know, you, you just would think, well, I don't know if they're ever going to get it together in a sense where it clicks for them. And then, you know, two years later, five years later, oh, did it ever click? Did the light ever come on? And they got it together and their faith ignited. And the next thing you, you know, they're, they're up and running and they're doing wonderful. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So always try to pull people up, pull people forward in love. And if some are real slow about it, you just let them be at their place. But you keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And as I close, let me say this. If you're going to do something, do it in faith. Go do it in faith. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, Pastor. Then don't do it. Don't do it until you're ready to do it in faith. Praise God. Hallelujah. And when you do it in faith, you can do, you can, you can step into the miraculous. You really can. And here's the amazing thing about it. If, if you learn how to do this, it's like riding a bike. You can, you can do it again. Even if you don't ride the bike for a week, you get back on it, you still know how to ride it. It's the same thing in this faith walk. You get stronger and stronger and stronger and see greater manifestations of the glory of God in your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me, let me, I feel led to share just a little bit more. Prophet Kenneth Hagin, years back, he's in heaven now, but years back, he told the story of when Jesus came to him in a vision. And Brother Hagin had said that he was, he was frustrated in the area of finances because other areas of his life were strong, but in the area of finances, he was really struggling. Now, this was when he was young in ministry, so this is decades ago. Well, he said the Lord came and talked to him, but the Lord corrected him. And the Lord said, you use your faith, you've, you used it for healing, excuse me, for salvation, and you've used your faith for healing, for your own personal healing, and in praying for divine healing for others. But the Lord said, you don't use your faith at all for finances, and that's why you're having these struggles. And Brother Hagin said the Lord explained to him that faith works the same way regardless of what category it is in. Your faith can work for salvation. You receive Christ through faith. Well, you can also use your faith to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And you exercise your faith and you take it by faith. You receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then you can also use your faith for healing for yourself. If you're sick, exercise your faith. It's in the covenant. And so you believe God for healing and it can come. So Brother Hagin said that was a great revelation of how you can use your faith on purpose specifically for financial increase and for blessing. And I think that's something that some of you need to do right now is to use your faith specifically for the Lord to help you with your finances and to use your faith for your harvest and use your faith for increase. And you'll see that 
compartment of your life get activated and start to bear beautiful fruit. And those are, those are things I learned as well. And then I'll never forget in the early 2000s, uh, it really started in the late 90s, I really began to get a heart, a desire for the supernatural. And so I started developing faith for uh, supernatural encounters, uh, divine visitations and visions and things like that. I would read as much as I could about it in the scriptures, and I would read stories of others and testimonies of others that it had happened to. And I just kept building my faith and building my faith. And it's something that I stepped into, not accidentally. I stepped into it because I kept building my faith up. And that's an area that I continue to not only maintain, but continue to build and expand on because I want to enjoy all that the Lord has for me as an individual. And I want to uh, teach that to others so they can walk in what God has made available to them as well. I like what the great prayer intercessor, Reese Howells, said about using your faith. And he used his a lot. Now look, I know he was known for his great intercessory prayer, especially all the praying that he did for World War II and the overthrow of Hitler. But a lot of people don't know that this great man of prayer, this great intercessor, he had a tremendous financial anointing, and he, he was able to purchase some of the most beautiful properties in Wales because he would just pray and he would use his faith. He would flat out use his faith to believe God to do money miracles so that he could buy these incredible properties for the ministry. And so these were properties where he was usually up against heavyweight bidders that had a lot of money. And here he was, you know, just a prayer intercessor, but he would, he would pray and he would use his faith and he would trust God for provision. And he purchased some of the most exquisite, beautiful uh, properties that could be purchased on the market, all for the glory of God, all for the, uh, the use of God's kingdom. And it's just amazing. But he called, he called the use of his faith for money, he called it carrying liability. And he would talk about how some Christians didn't understand what it is to actually carry li- liability. And what he meant by that is he called believing God for these properties carrying liability. And then you purchase them through God's great blessing and provision. And now, now you have to continue to uh, believe God for the money to, uh, you know, have the workers to run the operation. And it was just constant growth all the time. But it worked. And it will work for anybody that will trust the Lord and step out in faith. And again, don't expect everybody to understand or to even understand the path that you're taking. But you keep moving forward. Praise the Lord. Keep moving forward. Glory, glory to God. If you have faith, it'll work for you. Mm, 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 mm. Father, bless your people. We thank you. We thank you, Father God. We're going to be like the Israelites. They went all the way through the Red Sea. They did it by faith. The Egyptians endeavoring to do the same thing, they, they all died. Lord, we praise you. We are people of faith. Right now, Father, regardless of what is going on in the economy, the nation, in the realm of politics, regardless of what is going on with the various negative circumstances around us, we stay in faith. We refuse fear. We refuse to look at circumstances that would say we cannot be blessed. But we know that we can, Father. Your covenant keeping God and you're blessing us right now. We give you praise. Thank you, Father, for strengthening your people today to do great things and to use their faith to move forward to the next level. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, why don't you receive Him right now? He can give you His eternal life. He can fix your sin situation, wash all your sins away, and He can move you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light right now. You can have your, as we would say, Red Sea Crossing moment right now out of the kingdom of Egypt the kingdom of sin and darkness ruled over by cruel Pharaoh, a symbol of Satan, and he can take you out of that kingdom into his kingdom of freedom and liberty through Christ. Pray this after me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. 
But Jesus, you died for sinners. So Jesus, right now, I give my life to you, and I ask you to wash all of my sins away. Jesus, give me your eternal life. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. From this day forward, step into my life, Lord. Lead me and guide me in all that I do. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. My friends, the Lord has heard that prayer, and He has answered that prayer, and He has saved you, and you now belong to Him. Live for Him, and watch how good He's going to be to you. He's going to help you, take care of you, but walk close with the Lord every single day. Mm -mm. Praise God. Let's take Holy Communion together. I want to encourage you to grab some unleavened bread. If you don't have one of these little wafers, you can grab a saltine cracker or something similar. That way we can take communion together and grab some grape juice. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice, and we consecrate it. That is, we set it apart as holy through this prayer. Ask that you would bless it. And we thank you, Father, that this is now the body and the blood of Christ. And as we receive it, we are receiving His body and blood. Father, thank you for the body of Jesus, that as we partake of this bread, His body, we thank you, O God, that we receive the living Word. Father, thank you. We thank you that our faith in you will put us over every single time we choose to stay in faith. Hallelujah. Father, if there would be any doubt, help us to stop and get back in faith and get that right, lest we try to undertake something with unbelief and then end in a place of frustration or disappointment. Father, we praise you. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father, the just shall live by faith. This is our method of operation, the way in which we live. And we thank you that it's sanctioned by you. Thank you, Father, for the body of Jesus. We receive his body now with great thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Father, we thank you that you said in your word, happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Father, we thank you for your word to guide us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and the inner witness of guidance as he lives on the inside of us. Father, we give you praise. May our, may our lives be lives that represent love, that when people look at us, they see our love through our conduct, the way we live our lives. Thank you, Father God. May we never ever do anything, Father God, that would cause another person to stumble, particularly another brother or sister in the Lord. Father, may we be mindful of that in the choices that we make and in the, and in the way that we use this liberty that we have in Christ and the faith that we have. Father, we thank you that when we use our faith, it opens the doors to so many things, even the realm of miracles, the realm of blessing. So, Father, help us to use wisdom in the choices that we make. We thank you, Father God. And, Father, we thank you that the bottom choice the bottom line is it will come down to an individual choice because all of our lives have different, different routes. We're all going to heaven. We're all on the straight and narrow path. But you have many different careers, many different paths as we go along this journey of faith. Father, we thank you. We thank you for a life that is pleasing to you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for the lives of Elijah, as well as the contrasting life of Obadiah, the contrasting life of Daniel, the contrasting life of John the Baptist. Father, some in king's palaces, some in places that maybe uh, would be considered uh, not the best place to be for a holy man. Maybe they think, Father, a holy man should be out in the, in the Judean wilderness. But Father, you had them also in royal courts and even prophets like Daniel in high places. 
Oh God, we give you praise. May our lives, wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, may they glorify you. And may we always strengthen our brethren, our brothers and sisters. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. One time while in Israel, my wife and I realized we had a half day free. And we thought, you know what? If we time this right, because I was in the middle of a conference, this was an off day. We, we thought, well, if we time this right, we can probably get down to Bethlehem and get back. And, uh, you know, uh, we can probably pull this off. So we happened to just grab a taxi. Uh, it was a nice taxi. And the, the driver, uh, you know, he's, he's fluent in Hebrew and Arabic. So off we went. He was the perfect man for the job. And as we were driving along and we started talking to him about Jesus, he seemed interested, not just because, you know, we're paying him, you know, to drive us around, but he actually seemed interested. And he was an Arab man. And he said, you know, he said, can we pick up my wife so that she can come with us? He said, now remember, he's a Muslim and his wife is a Muslim. He said, all of her life, she has always wanted to see where the Christ was born at. I said, absolutely. I, I said, uh, call her, whatever you need to do, and we'll swing by and pick her up. He called her while she was at work <laughs> and said, hey, we're going to Bethlehem and just get in the car with us. The, you know, the, 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 the American couple says they, they would like for you to come along. And she immediately told her superiors, uh, hey, I, I, need, I need some time off of work. Something wonderful has happened, and uh, I, I need to be able to go right now. They said, well, by all means, go. Do whatever you need to do. And we picked her up, and off we went uh, to Bethlehem. And that lady was so excited. She, I mean, you would have you thought we were taking her to the moon and back or something like that. It, it was incredible. We went, went, went there and saw the place where our Savior was born. Uh, what a humbling thing, what a beautiful thing. It so touched that lady. We were able to pray for them to receive Christ and pray blessing over their life. What a day. Oh, but along the way, as we got to the checkpoint, because you leave, now, now let me say it like this, you're still in Israel, but you're leaving the territory of Israel, going into Palestinian territory, and you have to have your passport with you. Oh, I didn't have my passport. Well, Kelly had hers, they had theirs, and God's moving in the situation. What do I do? Uh, I said, we need to keep going. And the driver said, don't worry, it'll be okay. And so we got to the checkpoint where you're going into Palestinian territory. And uh, the guard, you know, wanted four passports, and he's given three, and the driver says, he doesn't have his, but we're just going to see uh, the site of Bethlehem where Christ was born and we're coming right back. And the, the guard, the, he was a senior official there. You know, you have lower guards, you have higher ranking guards. He was a higher ranking guy. He didn't like it. He didn't like it that I didn't have my passport. Uh, but he said, okay, go ahead and go. And so the driver said, now you will be here when we come back, right? Cause we'll be back pretty soon. He goes, yes, I'll be here. So we go. And I just felt, go for it. And I, I wouldn't recommend anybody ever do that. So I'm going in there with no passport. And so we see the place where Christ was born and uh, do a few things while we're there. And we come back and we get back to the guard station and you've got to have your passport to get. Now you're in like, in a sense, another country. You got to have your passport to get out. And so uh, we pull up and the guard's not there. And so we ask around, where is he? Well, he, you know, he left or whatever, but we all felt peace. Like we felt like the Lord's presence so thick and he popped out. He was over at another place. I think he'd gone to get some lunch or something like that. And he's back, checks everything. He says, okay, you're good to go. Cause the others didn't want to let us out. They were like, Hey, we need an explanation. What it was, what's this guy doing here with no passport? How did this happen? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but before it could kind of get like, kind of, you know, like really starting to, you know, go in a direction that didn't seem good. He pops back up and he showed up and, uh, Hey, everything's okay. I told him he could do it and all this. And so whoosh, off we went and we did it. 
and it it was something that was on the spur of the moment. I've done I've done things like that when the spirit was moving and the faith is there. I've done all kinds of things that a lot of stuff I wouldn't even talk about. It was all it's all good. Nothing. Uh, not breaking any laws. Not doing anything wrong. But it's stuff that no normally you wouldn't do it. But because God was in it, I would just go for it. Praise God, and it will always work out. It reminds me of the the jailer that let Paul and Silas out of jail. Uh, and he not only, you know, because there was the earthquake and stuff like that, and he thought they all got loose, and he's, he's about ready, well, he pulled his sword, he's ready to kill himself and commit suicide, because that was the rule. If you're the, if you're the jailer and they get loose, uh, it's your life for theirs. So he thought they all got out, and Paul said, oh, no, we're all here. And he basically put his sword away and said, what do I need to do to get saved? And so Paul led him to Christ, and he takes Paul and Silas out of prison and, you know, attends to their wounds, and he's treating them and everything, takes them to his house. Wow. I I mean, and you think, well, how did he get away with that? I mean, uh, hey, they're still prisoners. How how do you, how are we going to explain all this? Oh, you just go with it. If the Holy Spirit's in it, you just go with it, and that faith is writing, just go with it. That's all I can say. Now, if it's not there, don't do it. But the jailer did it, and uh, sure enough, next thing you know, uh, they were all getting off the hook. Everything was just washed out perfectly, and everything ended up, you know, good, and no explanation needed. Praise the Lord. Praise God. These are learning things. This stuff, when you learn this walk of faith, you can, you can move in this. And I, I feel compassion for the intellectuals in the body of Christ who everything has to be analyzed, calculated, dissected to to the point now you're spiritually uh, like uh, you, you can't move because everything's got to be run through all this red tape. And uh, there there is a place for that. Yeah, there's there's a place to have everything in order, but there's another place where you've got to go for it because it says in Proverbs uh, where there are no oxen, the stall is clean. Well, I would rather have some oxen and let's make a little bit of a mess because we can clean that up later. Now, the oxen representing ministers, the oxen, uh, you know, to be technically correct, the oxen representing the apostolic ministry. Why? They pull the heavier load. But hey, let's get some apostolic action going on around in here. And uh, you know what? Uh, God will make it all work out. And He does. He does. Praise the Lord. But that's part of the faith journey. Mm -mm. And you only know it. Uh, when you get on that path. So I would highly encourage you to use your faith for more than just salvation. Because obviously, for most of you that are watching me, you already have that. So you're still here on the earth. Use it for other things that you need as well. Praise the Lord. And when you go in faith, it'll work. Praise God. Father, bless your people. We thank you. We give you all of the praise and the glory We thank you, Father, that this is the way your kingdom operates. We give you praise. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Walk in faith. Keep that faith within your heart, and you will be a very happy person.